0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi everyone, and welcome again to the Real Estate Investing Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today we have an awesome guest. He is amazing. The one, the only
1: Dino (laughs) Pierce. Welcome Dino.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me and happy new year.
1: Well, if you remember, we talked shortly ago with Dino as he was our partner and our friend on a recent acquisition over there in Louisville, Kentucky. We're really excited to really dig back in on this story today before we get into it. A little bit more about Dino Pierce. Dino is the CEO of Edified Equity and an active multifamily investor. He comes from a family of entrepreneurs and has been part of numerous prof- uh, profitable residential and multifamily real estate investment acquisition transactions. He's been a multifamily expert speaker for Bigger Pockets, has an award winning blog featured on Bigger Pockets, and is the host creator of the purely educational Facebook group, Multifamily Passive Equity Owners Investors Benefits of a Passive Owner. And also the host of edified equity podcast oh wow, well, Dino, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the show today let's let 's get back to the beginning and we 'll say the real estate beginning. How and why did you get started in real estate?
2: yeah, well thanks for again, thanks for having me i 'm happy to be here so the reason I got involved in uh, first of all real estate i haven 't i wish like a lot of people you probably interview, maybe even yourselves. I wish I would have started day one in multifamily, but that's not my story. Um, I actually, I was giving my, uh, so my almost six-year-old son, he's five now, I was giving him a bath. He was, I mean, an infant. And one of the, I'm a positive, like optimal, glass half full type of guy. Look, no matter what, even if it's like a horrible thing, I'm like, where's the good in this? Is it at least a lesson? So I was giving him a bath while one of, someone that I plug into for motivation and inspiration was uh, doing a complimentary webinar. We were, I was listening to it and he says, hey, at the end, um, stay on. And I'm going to have this guy who, if you're interested, he's going to show you how to make an extra $3,000 a month. And I was like, hey, that can't hurt anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: <Okay. laughs> yeah.
2: so my baby and I stayed on. And it was Sean Terry who teaches people all about wholesaling. He's real, actually, um, uh, kind of, I don't know, a, an expert in the space of wholesaling. And what I got out of it was that extra 3000 was actually that he was being very conservative. And you could actually make more than that by helping people who are in A distressed situation. So what I did was I learned the art of wholesaling, where I was marketing direct to sellers, uh, people who needed to sell for whatever reason, but they didn't want to put it on the MLS. I would come in and versus purely wholesaling, which did happen occasionally, what I wanted to do was partner with a residential redeveloper, Bring them the opportunity, say, "Hey, I had a contractor walk through this. I know for fifty thousand dollars here's what we're looking at profit in the next six months and By the way, I'm also going to lend you some of my own money, not all of it, but maybe twenty five thousand dollars. No points, make it easy. We just do straight interest, and we'll do a profit split on the back end and that's how I got started in the real estate and i've done I did that successfully um, Uh, Close to 30 times. I'm like 20 something times over the first two two and a half years of my real estate investing career So what happened was though the whole time I have a friend who's and I I think I talked about him a little bit on the last episode He's a COO for an apartment um, Syndication company and he kept dripping on me. He's like you have the wherewithal. You're the people person. You're smart You should really learn how to syndicate apartments and get on the general partnership side because a couple things When you're done with a fix up, there's no more. You have to find another one. And the other thing is, he's like, you have to be getting killed with taxes. And he was right. I remember the first year um, from doing the combination of wholesaling, fix and flipping, private money lending. It was the first time I owed the IRS $30,000. And I was like, okay. So So he was right. And, And I tell this to people all the time. I don't remember if. It was a bad day, I, so I don't think it was, but I woke up one morning, and my brain said, you should learn how to syndicate multifamily apartment communities, and I know it was from him just steadily dripping on me, just gently saying, you really should be doing this. You really should be doing that, and that's when I dove in and, and, uh, and learned the business inside and out, and I did share this on our last podcast. It took 11 whole months from the time I made a decision to actually close on the first multifamily uh, opportunity, the community, because we're so conservative, as are you in the underwriting. That's why I like partnering with one of the many reasons I really like partnering with you guys. Um, we're so conservative in the underwriting and literally were, you know, looking at hundreds to find that needle in the haystack opportunity.
1: So let's talk about those 11 months, right? Because you say it took you 11 months. Yeah. Um, that can be a, a long time for people, but that could actually be a quick time for people. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, 11 so,
0: months is sounds pretty typical when it comes to multifamily investing, to large multifamily investing. Yeah,
1: so we have a right. lot of avenues we could go here, but let's focus on what did those 11 months consist of? Because you, you basically went, okay, I'm wholesaling today. Now I'm going to syndicate apartments. Well, what was that first step? and What were some of the, the, the follow-up steps you took after that to start the snowball effect?
2: Yeah. So the first thing I did was make the decision and I went all in, which means um, now I, because of the way marketing works, I still ended up getting calls that pe- people that needed to sell their house from letters that I had sent them, but I stopped marketing. I switched 100% into learning how to work this business uh, network with brokers and started talking to people to re- give them the opportunity to partner up as equity partners in the deal. So basically raising private equity it was a combination of those three things were happening all at once. And while I took 11 months to close on the first one, um, we had actually worked on three that were under contract, but for one reason or another, basically our conservative nature in underwriting, in the due diligence period, um, we ended up not moving forward with those. So it looked like it was gonna happen quicker, but it it actually did not. So that's exactly what I was doing. I was learning the business, I was networking with brokers, and I had a sample uh, a deal that was conservatively underwritten that had conservative returns, and I was actually meeting with people one-on-one saying, Here's what I'm doing. I'm leaving this world. I'm coming into this world. If and when I have an opportunity like this, is this something you would be interested in talking about?
1: I love it. We do the exact same thing, and so and it's it's a great way, right? Because you don't have it's that point. Well, how am I going investors? I've never done a deal. Well, how am I going to do a deal if I don't have investors? Well, this is the mm-hmm. perfect marriage there where you can bring a deal that is going to be the ideal deal that you find because you already have an implanted in your brain but now you can give your investors that opportunity to to see what you're doing so when you do have that real deal you're not under the stress of needing that funding in such a such an allocated portion of time so right. in
0: those and in those 11 months that you were learning what steps did you take to start learning did you have mentors what books mm-hmm. did you read what yeah. did you do in those 11 months to
1: Yes yeah, of- so if,
2: yeah so I found a I found a mentor, um, and there are, there are several, I think, people that can offer this opportunity. I think one of the best things to do is just like when you find your partners, find someone who's in alignment with you and offers a program that is, you're going to be able to plug into full force. So, for example, if, if the mentoring program that I chose meant um, three-hour calls, I don't know, every week that might not be for me because I'm already running another business. and I'm already super busy. I might not be able to allocate that time, but the way that this program was set up, I could, it was plug and play. And, um, I also had some live access as well. So I was learning when it it actually, it's been the way, um, something that has made me successful is when other people are sleeping, I find that I'm, working. So like early in the morning or late in the evening, um, because I'm a hands, I'm a like very hands-on dad. I breakfast with my kids unless I'm traveling. I'm, I'm giving them their breakfast. I'm the dinner bath and bedtime dad. And that's things that I love to do. So to not take, and on the weekends, I'm like hundred percent all in with them as well. So to not take away from that, Um, I just have, you know, hours that are stretched. So I was plugging into, um, it was more like video recordings. What I also liked about that, I just had a conversation earlier um, before we hopped on this podcast with someone and I was telling them the way that I learn is I can take a book or um, a a paper, a white article, uh, a white paper, whatever it is, and I might have to read it and really dissect it. It might take me five times to go through it. And then I'm like, I got this. Now I can go write a book on it. So I like that because it was, it was a combination of video as well as reading. And that's how I learned. So I was plugged into the mentor, but I'm also the kind of person that will fail forward. So I, to me, the phone isn't a cactus and I picked up the phone. I started calling brokers. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know commercial brokers. What's a good way to, to, to meet them. I went on to loop net, not for the deals, but to meet the brokers who had deals on LootNet and start to get to know them and reach out. So I was building my relationships there. And at the same time, what we just talked about, I had a sample deal package that I can take someone to lunch or to coffee or hop on the phone, wherever it was and go through it with them and say, this is what's happening now. So the combination of learning, failing forward with the, with the brokers and the investor meetings, That's what I was doing, and I want to just before we go on. I would fail forward with anything, with the exception of someone else's money. That's when having the right mentor and having the right partner. I'm not willing to do that on my own. I would not, even if I had the qualifications to take down my first indication as a lone wolf. I would not have done it. God, so So many golden nuggets
0: right there.
1: So. Let's touch right. Okay. So many different parts, but let's touch on the brokers because people are uh, just like you said. You know, the, the phone is not a cactus. They're so scared to have that talk because they haven't done anything. They 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 don't know what to say. So that first call, what did you say?
2: Yeah, so what I said was, I looked, first of all, I looked at a few of the deals that they actually had. So, for example, the phone, and this would have been a real sincere phone call, but it might have been something like this. You know, hey, my name's Zeno. I'm part of an investment group. I saw a deal on, you know, 123 Street. I love the deal. I actu- absolutely love it. Um, we work with a group, a group of high net worth individuals. They are looking for opportunities so that we can syndicate and put these deals together. Do you have anything bigger? Uh, because sometimes you know it was maybe a a 16 unit or 30 and we were actually looking for five zero preferably a hundred and larger so we can scale best in class third-party management we don't we manage the manager we're not gonna actually get in there and you know do the management ourselves. and uh, so that got people you leave a lot of voicemails so you have to have I don't like a script of you know, where I'm reading from something, but I have in my mind what I'm going to say. And I think conversations work better anyway, and they're more sincere. Um, but after you leave, you know, 50 to a hundred of those voicemails, it becomes second nature, you know, call me back, uh, you know, at your earliest boom, boom, boom. If they're in my town, which ended up not working because, um, unfortunately Colorado is just not the place to put together a syndication for multifamily right now, but it's still, um, I, I went to lunches, I had phone calls, we had coffees, and it got me in the game speaking with brokers and then speaking their language. Cause as with everything, if we were talking about psychology right now, if we were talking about um, I don't know, being an engineer, but we're talking about being real estate investors, there's certain it's almost like they have they speak their own language. So I'm speaking those the the right words, debt debt service ratio, um, equity refinance, uh, uh, supplemental loans, you know, things like that, uh, uh, occupancy, their language.
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. You again, so many golden nuggets, just, just what you said about you have all the information in your brain. You've done it so many times that you have it by rope, but you can still have a conversation. You're not using a script to talk to these people. Brokers, brokers are people just pick up yeah. the phone. Call them, leave the messages, and take that first step.
1: But the core yes. elements here are you're being specific. You've done your you've done your background check, so you mm-hmm. know what they're about. You know what they do. But you come on there with with a value call. I want to buy something larger in your specific market, and you're not there wasting your time and just saying, "Hey guys, I want I I'm learning about multifamily. I want to buy multifamily." Yeah. yeah. Where and that—that's where it pans out because they can see you're serious. You, you've learned the terms. You've—you've you, done your due diligence on what they can offer, and it—that really expands. And I so, love what
0: you said about oh, I saw that you have you know the 16 unit or 20 unit, and I love that deal. You got anything bigger?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I love exactly. that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we 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 fast forward on these 11 months, and we get to the deal that that now crosses the finish line. It's I mentioned we before, so. Is that we? We don't need names, but what, what kind of teammates did you now put together? When, yeah. where was the location of the deal and why that location? And what was the first deal?
2: Yeah, so not, yeah, not to be too specific on it, but so the it, it, this is a team sport, and um, I am, I will admit. Um, because we talked about this a little before, but I, I was raised by entrepreneurs, but for the most part, they were entrepreneurs that were also the backbone of their business. So I'm a recovering lone wolf and I have that mentality where like I can do it. I can take this all down and no one's going to do it better than me anyway. So you might as well. <laughs> okay. yeah,
1: yeah. So, good, good so, that that <laughs> happens a lot. That, so, so as you can imagine, so.
2: but, but in this situation, um, I needed because, you know, I, I was newer to the game, not real estate, but multifamily. And by the way, if I would have called those brokers and said, I've, I've done 27 flips or 20 flips, whatever the number was, that would not not have made them call me back because they're like, okay, hey, you're, you're speaking, you're, you're almost speaking the language, but it's a different dialect or whatever. You're yeah. <laughs> not speaking commercial. So I didn't even try to use that as leverage because I knew better. But, um, now you can say in the right way, you can say, you know, X years of real estate investing under in my belt—that is true. Just don't say it was, uh, you know, wholesaling, fix and flipping, and doing my private money lending. So the team consists of someone who could sign on the loan. They have the liquidity, the balance sheet, the track record. A lead operator who had several years of experience wasn't there, you know, first rodeo, as they say. Someone who underwrites conservatively is active in the opportunity it also consists of people like myself who are new to the game hungry to get the first deal but also patient enough to stick with the the rigid underwriting guidelines as far as where the market is going to be um you know how many units what the returns need to be for the equity partners in order for us to say yes what what are our minimum acceptance you know what's the minimum we're going to take to make it work for that side um, it was in Tennessee in a market that was exactly what we always look for. It was undervalued, underappreciation, unappreciated. However, all the research, especially on the local level, showed this is the right place to be. And um, it's kind of like I said on a on a recent podcast that I did. You know, we want to be in Austin before it's Austin, that because that's when um, the appreciation. We can really benefit from it, but the deal has to work even if it doesn't become Austin. Um, so it was over 50 units, check. It was in a market that had a minimum MSA of $250,000, check. That's another hurdle that we have. People have to want to move there. The economy has to be growing, check, check. The return hurdle on the equity partner side worked, check. And actually, we got in there before a lot of investor activity. And by the time we closed on that opportunity, similar assets, because we were you know, continuing to look, similar assets had just skyrocketed on the price per door. So it was an opportunity that right place, right time.
1: How'd you find a deal?
2: So one of my, and this is another, goes back to the brokers. Once you start closing on deals, you will start getting deal flow that very few eyeballs see or sometimes no one sees it, but you. So one of my partners had closed a few deals with this broker, um, in same state, different market. And basically the broker said, what do you think about this market? Slid him the, you know, the off market type of OM. So it was with a broker, but I, I actually think we were the only set of eyes on it. Um, and we, we didn't even go back. We bought it at the asking price because it worked, and that's how we got the deal.
1: That's awesome. And so, still, still with the deal now.
2: Yes, we are still with that deal.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Now, the syndicated deal. Did you raise capital for the deal?
2: Yes, I was on the uh, so part. You know, part of my GP duties has always been analyzing markets, underwriting um, behind the underwriter. Because we like again with the conservative nature, we want to double check maybe vetting property management companies market analysis and offering the opportunity to my equity partners my sophisticated and accredited investors so yes i did raise for that one
1: so i was tying this all together because you had the sample deal and now you have the actual deal that's like your sample deal so now you're able to just bring it back to your investors you're already talking to and say look what i found i'm sure that conversation was a lot easier the second time around
2: it was easier, and having um, the experienced, credible team, you know, on the deal deck with you made it again easier. So, um, and already being not in the market, but not far from it, you know, in that state, and you know, showing there's a good track record here, it did make it easy. And, you know, at the same time, having said that, for people who are interested in getting involved in this business, I think even with that first one, some of the people that I had the conversation with. They didn't come in until my second, third, or possibly fourth syndication because, hey, I put myself in their shoes. Yes, you know me. You may or may not know my partners. You want to do all of your due diligence, and let's see. I understand this is the first one. Everything looks good. Let's see what happens in six months, you know, or how, how, how are things going. It's like that with money.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. So we fast forward to today with what you're doing in real estate if you're jumping in an elevator and someone says so what do you do what's your elevator speech
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's a good question um so i i what i say and then it, it leads to more conversation and i just tell them my partners and i syndicate uh multi apartment communities across the u.s and we look for safe affordable uh, workforce housing it's something that no matter what the market does is always going to be in high demand. And usually they'll like, you know what that means because you speak my language, but in an elevator, uh, the word syndication, I don't know. They might think, what is that? What Howard Stern did? What? Like, you know, <laughs> you're in the radio, they don't get it. And then you, you know, you explain how, you know, there's equity partners and they come in just like you would invest into the stock market. The difference is you're going to get phenomenal tax benefits as well as cash flow along the way, and then when we refinance or sell, you're going to get profits. If we refinance, those profits are going to be tax free, and you can take that and money and do what you want with it, or put it to work in another deal. And then, you know, so I kind of it, it opens the conversation, and maybe I should get. I you know there's there's like a, a very credible gentleman out there who says you need to have that. You need to be able to say in one sentence what you do. And while I think I can do that, it just opens more conversation. It doesn't explain it 100% in one sentence.
1: Sure.
0: Sure. So I get that. So if you were to start over or start from the beginning, what would you do differently if anything?
2: Well, uh, so it's like like we said at the beginning, I would have I would have listened to my friend <laughs> and not let him drip on me for about a year before getting into multifamily. And I would have started with multifamily, but taking back to bathing my baby, that would have had to have been what the extra 3000 a month was on. That's not what it was on. But ultimately, it led, led me to the real estate world, which led me to that friend, which led me to a syndication.
0: So that said, for all of those people, investors out there who are listening to this, who do only single family or small multifamily, what would you say to them? Did, what would you drip on them to get them to hop over to multifamily?
2: Yeah, I would say if they're open to the conversation, because I'm, I'm actually more of the type that says, you know, if they're, if, if they're not ready today, um, it's not my time to, I'm not here to convince someone or to change their mind. They're going to learn. Um, and then eventually, you know, maybe they'll come back to me, maybe they won't. But if they're open for the conversation and said, well, why, why did you leave? Why should I be doing that? I would say, Number one, for me, and this is sincere, maybe not everyone in our industry, but for me, there is a why I feel good about providing the single mom, the single dad, the family living paycheck to paycheck, whatever it is, a safe, affordable place to live. And we can create a community and they're happy. there. like that is their home. There's a, that is my why tied to it. I really get good feelings from that. Number two, I'm also offering my equity partners an alternative investment opportunity other than the stock market that's going to give them. So I'm not even talking about me. It's going to give them the tax benefits when we talk about cost segregation, accelerated depreciation. It's going to give them cash flow and it's going to give them that profit sharing. And then finally, you bring in you bring in me. Of course, I'm. I'm privy to that as well, being on the general partner, the managing member side, and then it goes a little bit further to say, if you have kids, this is something that I always talk about. There's an investor friend of mine sent me, um, as a little cartoon where there's two kids, are playing with a train set, and one kid says to the other one, so what did you want to do before you gave up? And because you think about that, what kids, ask your kids. I'm going to, my kid today was telling me, uh, I'm sorry, this weekend, he was like, um, you know, dad, I talk about I'm going to be a shark explorer and a fireman um, and a paleontologist. <laughs> but he's like, but I'm, oh, I'm always going to say paleontologist. So, you know, if I can pass this, this business on to them, if it's something he wants to learn he can be a paleontologist or a fireman or like my daughter wants to be a dancer and they don't have to worry about creating a pile of cash to live off of when they retire because I'm teaching them to set up a stream of cash today. So whether they wanna go and go on missions and volunteer and help people and make nothing because they can, I want to give them the opportunity to learn this business.
1: I love it. I'm thinking of the movie Step Brothers for a funny with uh, with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, where the dad's like trying to give an example. And he's like, "I always wanted to be a T Rex, and I was the best T Rex." And then all of a sudden, I got to be 18, and my yeah. dad said, you have to go get a job. I just yeah, kept yeah. thinking, if I just was that T Rex today that I mm-hmm. wanted to be, but I forgot how because I gave it up. And that's right, you got to go after it, right? Yes. And and so, yeah. I, well, so the story back, back to track. I was
0: yeah, gonna say the story <laughs> is you're going to give your children this business so that they can too be T Rexes
2: yes yeah yeah. I love it. yeah so if he wants to yeah that's what he wants to do on the weekend because we live in Colorado there's dinosaur stuff everywhere here yeah. so he wants to dress up in his t-rex outfit and go like interact with kids like that's what he wants and because he's able to do that because I'm able to pass this on and again they might because daddy does it they might want nothing to do with it but <laughs> at least they had the opportunity
1: yeah it's awesome so, so no I ahead. have one if, <laughs> what's a mistake you've made that you would absolutely make again because it's been instrumental in your growth as a real estate investor
2: mistake i've made that i would do it again because of my growth
1: and it could be a learning lesson it could be a fail forward it could be anything if anything pops to mind
2: yeah i mean it would be it would be the fail forward you know minus the money part where other investors put their money, it would be all the failing forward. So every phone call that I've made or voicemail that I've left maybe didn't, wasn't perfect, but it doesn't matter. Now, now I'm ready for it. Same thing with meeting with meeting with an investor. Maybe the first few meetings didn't, I I wasn't a pro and I didn't have the lingo down and I jumped in before, but I think taking that action and you really on the job training kind of thing. There's nothing that replaces that because that that saying um, it's it's Zig Ziglar says. And I don't know if it's his original, but he, I've heard him say before. If you wait to leave your carport or your garage till all the lights are on green, you're never going to leave. Yeah, you have to you have to get out there. Be willing to have a few red lights, yellow right yellow lights, maybe even get a ticket. But you've got to be willing to get out there and fail forward. And looking back on it, there was some, um, you know, I'm relentless in my follow-up and going back to, you know, this is money. It takes time. You've got to play the long game. Maybe my follow-up is too relentless, but it's, it's what I know. And it's what has worked in other industries and businesses in the past. So I've learned a healthy dose of how to follow up the right way without seeming um, too aggressive because in actuality I'm really I'm off I'm bringing people if, if when I'm talking about an equity partner here, I'm actually bringing you money I'm bringing you tax shelter tax deferred money and um, it sometimes in your brain when getting started if you see it that way it makes it hard to understand why didn't they get back to me maybe they're just super busy or maybe they're not ready yet I don't know and you won't know unless they, they get back to you
1: that's perfect right is that you you can't have all the steps predicted for you because you'll never grow or you'll never get anywhere and you, you have to stumble through it because you get the good questions from people and you you can't predetermine what those questions are because you may not understand that certain people may be more analytical than another person uh, but may be more century when you're talking to them about investment strategies and so right. when you have those conversations you, you start to understand how they how they want to see a deal and it helps you be really better at what you're doing to prepare yourself for future conversations. So spot and also
0: on. a small highlight on the, your your conversation and what you say. I've heard you say this word probably ten times since we started this podcast. Opportunity. Yeah. I'm giving you an opportunity. For all our listeners out there, this is something that you need to ingrain in your speech. Whether you're talking about multifamily, single family, whatever, when you're talking to other investors, you always say the word, I'm giving you an opportunity.
1: Yes. So is there a person that you, you look up to or admire, whether it's real estate, family, friends, that, that, that has taught you a lesson that you still really transcend with today?
2: Yeah, there's so many people um, that that's so that's hard. I mean, because I've been through I would say my my grandmother, who I'm actually hoping to see in February of this year. I'm going to make a. am on a business trip in Louisiana and I'm going to see her. But it's my I was raised by strong, like powerful women. And um, she for sure, and I talked about this on another podcast, but she was the first one Well, she, you know, truly loved me. But she was the first one to I think, give me a, a, a dose of mentorship that will stick with me forever, where when she grabbed me when I told her I wanted to do something, and I was afraid. And she literally like kicked into mentor mode and said, if you're afraid to do that, I think you should do it like right now because you, she said, baby, you have to overcome your fears in life. So I would say, yeah, my, my grandmother and those are probably best friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and that, and I, I just talked the whole, told the whole story on, um, on Scott Bauer podcast, but in, in the lightning round when I, so I did it. I was afraid to swing across. We were swinging on this rope on a camping trip and letting go and landing in. It was like a a river where it was deep enough and it was fun, but I don't know. I wanted to be Tarzan. I didn't want to let go. I wanted to land on the bank, but I was afraid to get hurt, but she was like, no, you need to do this. And, um, when I did that, it positioned me. I've always, I'm from Louisiana, grew up in the Gulf of Mexico, I've always been a really strong swimmer when i landed and yes my ankle did hurt two girls i would say nine and eleven one girl was standing on the other side of the the riverbank saying my sister's drowning my sister's drowning and it put it positioned me i didn't even think i ran like a fullback that had the ball to win the super bowl with the time ran out and um and i saved that little girl and people people were on um it's, I call it a beach, but it's more like a creek bank that's sandy and like adults were standing up clapping, like cheering. Wow. So wow. that's probably why she comes to mind, because if I wouldn't have done that, I might not have been in the right position. And maybe, maybe no one else was either.
1: Wow. Wow. I just. Thank you for
2: that.
0: <laughs> I'm like, my heart is pumping. That's like, that's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing
2: yeah no i that's why when you say first one it it's all it's it's probably always going to be her
1: good it's always the best one to come to mind right so thank Mm -hmm. you yeah you're welcome what is your big why for for doing everything you do
2: well like i said um even with the multifamily and everything other businesses it's always been i i am a helper i like helping people I mean, I have a business mindset. I understand what it takes to drive a business, but I find if your business is geared around filling a need and helping people that you can be successful. And if you put that first, it's almost hard to go wrong. So on the multifamily side, I'm I'm thinking of the mom, the dad, the family who needs that place to live. Um, and then the other why, of course, is my legacy, which is my children and um and, and being the right role model, you know, for them so that they can have the best life possible. And, um, and it'd be filled with rich experiences, whether that'd be helping people traveling, dancing, whatever they want to do, but it's my kids. And I always find even on, I also run a medical device business where that is helping people. It's filling a need. I think that would be my why.
0: So what steps would you give to someone new to real estate as a vital piece for someone who's just starting their journey?
2: So if they want, if they're, if it's multifamily related, find the team and start taking action. And when you approach that team, don't come to them like this. So I come to you two and say, Hey, I'm a great business person. I've got a good head on my shoulders. I'm a hard worker. I can help you. Well, you're like, do what (laughs) but what can you do but if I came to you and said um, you know I've been working really hard for the past two years to build relationships and with your next multifamily syndication I'm pretty sure I can um, help bring two million dollars of equity to the table you're like okay I know when to call you or I have a, a very, I have a this immense construction background. I'm a fourth generation uh, general contractor, and I can walk units for you and give you, you know, a, a line item. This is what every unit needs. So whatever, or I'm I'm a great people person and know how to network with brokers, and I can bring you deals. Whatever. Let's say when you so build your team, learn the business inside and out, fail forward, and when you come to find the people that are already like way up here doing what you want to do. Don't come to them and say, you have time be specific and say, here's how I can help you. That's
1: awesome. Yes. So we really love this conversation. We've got a few more questions before we let you go here. Okay. Do you have a morning routine. And if so, what is it?
2: I have a, I have a, um, a daily routine where I use, and I just updated it, um, for the new year. Cause I'm actually dropping a few things off of it so i have a a a check sheet and this is things on both businesses that i do on a daily basis some of them are weekly and some of them are monthly and as i go through my day and month as i go through my new sheet every day for example if it's a monthly task let's say i have every month i have to write one multifamily type article well if i did it in the first week of the month i will continue that check box throughout the month and then when january when february comes I'll leave it blank, but on, um, there's things I do daily, it's simple things like be concisely, but return emails, return voicemails, um, analyze X market, whatever that is, it's different on both sides of the business. Um, and then there's other things that I do weekly, like a, on a weekly podcast, a weekly blog article, whatever. So it's less of a morning routine and more of a daily structured. And I actually use, I chunk my day. So I have an addition to those I call it a scorecard because I have to do this every day. I also have a 24-hour, and I map out everything. Okay, Here's the four, six, whatever hours I'm sleeping. Nothing can happen there. Here's what I'm with the kids in the morning and the evening. What else is open? How can I take the tasks on my scorecard and put them into this time that's available? And I've done that for years. Oh, That's awesome.
0: What do you use to uh, keep track of it?
2: I'm, I'm old school. It's paper. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's paper. Uh, I mean, there's some things that I'm green with. Like I take notes on my, on notes and iPhone when I'm like getting ready to do a presentation or write an article, as things pop to my brain, I want a quick, easy way to get them down. So I just put it through the notes section. But um, for the, the 24 hours, it, that's, that's paper and the scorecards are also paper.
1: That's awesome. For all the kids out there, paper comes from trees and we, <laughs> we have these things called pens that, that yeah. put ink out of them and you're able and if, to put stuff onto paper and you may even use a pencil that you may yeah, have and if
2: from time to time <laughs> and if anybody sorry i was interrupting um i was just i didn't want to forget if anybody would want that um they can reach out to me i just i just because it's new Year's, someone recently asked me for it um i email you it's it's not fancy it's a scorecard that says monthly weekly daily a few tasks and it w- the one I would send you would be mostly blank so you can write in what you need to do and then it's literally a blank sheet of paper that has a 24 hours in half hour segments and then you just pencil that in every day.
0: You know what it. So I will be emailing you right after this podcast <laughs> I want to see what you do because I am reading okay. the way I do things.
2: I'll, I'll send it.
1: it. Making ourselves the most structured people uh, for for 2019, and which is funny because we are some of the least structured people. That we, well, we're we structured in, in our own good we way. We need right? more but structure. But we're, we're gaining structure to the point that people are going to be shocked. So, <laughs> so well, that's good. Most likely, most likely our dogs and our kids are going to be shocked <laughs> with structure. So back back to Dino.
0: Them. What words do you live by, Dino?
2: Uh, number one is integrity and honesty. I believe honesty is the best policy. And if you have integrity in everything that you do, you, you really cannot go wrong. Um, then the other word would be go, go back to having whatever that why is for you. Um, for some people, it, it might be money driven. For me, I have to, no matter what I get involved in, I have to have a why to where I know I'm impacting someone's life in a positive way. So those would be it for me.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on today. If, uh, when, for people to reach out to you, tell us hey, how do we find a Facebook group? How, how do we find a podcast? What's the best way for them to connect with you?
2: Yeah, so I'm very active on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn at Dino Pierce, Facebook Dino Pierce, um, which you should see my group from there. But if not, you can direct message me and I can guide you to it. Um, and uh, the podcast, um, it's on iTunes and Stitcher, it's Edified Equity. And it's the only one named that. And it's um, my logo, which is the little owl wearing his set of glasses. (laughs) I
0: love it. Perfect. I
1: love it. Well, Dino, thank you so much for coming on the show today. For everybody listening, we really appreciate you listening. If you haven't checked out Dino Pierce and, and all he has going on, he's a powerful influencer. Definitely reach out to him. Definitely say hello. Dino, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Thank
2: you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. So grateful. So this is the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you again to Dino and thank you again to everyone out there. We're so grateful. You have a good day. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.